0: Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glam We Ooh. hope you stay a while. <laughs> cute. That's cute.
1: Hold up.
0: Who's your favorite, one of your favorite follows on Instagram or social media?
2: Of course, it's Dr. Sandra Lee, or as many know her, Dr. Pimple Popper. We
0: finally have her on the pod. So, so excited. For those of you who don't know who Dr. Sandra Lee is... Okay, she started her Instagram account in 2015 to give people a window into her world as a dermatologist. And she realized that people really liked watching these really, I don't want to call them gross, but they're pretty intense extractions of pimples and cysts. And fast forward to now, she has over 4.9 billion YouTube views, 7.5 million subscribers, 4.5 million Instagram followers. It goes on and on. 15.5 million TikTok followers. She has a dedicated Popaholics fan base. She also has her own series on TLC called Dr. Pimple Popper and the new season airs in March. And she's on the pod today talking to us all about cysts and how to differentiate between a pimple and a cyst and a blackhead and a keloid. We just get into it.
2: All right, Dr. Lee, we are so thrilled to have you. We have said this before, but like we have wanted you on since we started this podcast, which is almost four years, if you can believe it. We're coming up on our fourth birthday this summer. Wow. and. So many people write to us about pimples, acne, blackheads, sebaceous filaments. Also specifically asking for you on the
0: mm-hmm. podcast yes. too. Because oh. you are the woman. I have been at it the longest. <laughs> you have. <laughs> you are truly like one of the few accounts that I cannot scroll past. I have to watch it. Oh, really? Everyone Thank sends you. it to me. I'm not one of those people that like, I'm like, oh, this is nice that they're blurring it for me. But no, give me the of content. Dirt.
3: <laughs> give me the stuff.
0: Yes. Yes.
3: Oh, you actually uncover it because you see. It's oh, me. yeah. I love that. I I'm love like, it. oh, this okay, one's going to be
2: even juicier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Lee. So we were talking before you logged on because Sarah sent me one of your videos last night. We were like kind of giggling about it. So there was a patient who had a, what was the term, Sarah? What's the official term?
0: Okay. It was the older woman who had the ear, it was behind her ear, next to her ear. In front of her ear. In front of her ear. And she had it, removed it, or it had been there, sorry, for like 50 years or something okay it was like a dilated giant blackhead something like
2: yeah dilated pore of what is it
3: of
0: whiner Yeah, we're not laughing at this woman at all yes but we're just not at all we're just more amazed at how you handle yourself with all of these patients because you're so sweet and understanding but like it was like curvy I'd be like what have you been doing for the last 50 years? Why do you ha- still have this in your ear? Yes,
3: these are the questions that people ask. I mean, I ask that too in my in my thought. But I just don't say it out loud because, you know... Of course, you don't want to make... The patient it. is right there. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll joke. I'll say, I-, I can't understand why you would, you know, why would you have this around? And, you know, like, I, I don't know if this is the same woman, but she says something like, well, I'm not a contortionist <laughs> with her, like, Boston accent. You know what I mean? So those are the amazing gems that you get, right? The... It's just to see these wonderful people that, you know, I would never blame them because I get it. You know, they can't see it. They can't feel it. They might have arthritis. They might, you know, they don't, they don't know what's back there. Can you help them? And it's just this
2: lovely little diamond in the rough there that we can, we can remove for them. Oh my gosh, truly, it is so satisfying to watch you go in there. So for this particular patient, I mean, she said that it had been in there for 50 years, but the last, her sister had tried to get it out and her sister got some of it out, but it was painful. And so then she's like, you asked her, okay, well, when was the last time you tried to adjust this? And she said 1975. And Sarah and I, I was like, there is no way I'd be taking a hacksaw to the side of my head, trying to get it out. Well, that's the difference.
3: That's why the world is made up of different people. (laughs) I guess, you know, what do you say? That's why you're so, you have a show and (laughs) that's why you exist. Yes, that is why. That's the bread and butter.
2: Yes, we resist the cyst, you know. Resist the cyst. Yes, yes. Okay. So we kick off every episode with a a question, Dr. Lee, and that is what's on your face?
3: I would say, well, right now, literally, I don't really know exactly what's on my face because I just had somebody do my makeup that was in, she was in a rush manner too. And it was so difficult because I was giving into, I was in a satellite media tour this morning and she was doing my makeup because the person that I had planned wasn't there. And she was doing my makeup while I was doing the radio part of the interviews. So she was telling me to open my eye and close my I while well, I was trying to talk to a radio host about, you know, about something. It was really difficult. That was some of the most stressful moments of my life. That's so, it's so funny to say that because I'm like, and every time this would happen, I would be like, I'm a multitasker and I cut on people and I can't do this. Like I can't like do this thing right here. So at any rate, I don't really know what's on my face right now, but I will say, I love the uh, Neutrogena line of Hydro Boost Moisturizer, you know, because I really love the lightness of it, the coolness of it, how hydrating it is, yet not heavy for me. It almost feels like you're putting on like a little mask, you know, on those areas. It kind of sits there, but stays really nice and cool and wakes me up. And we actually created one of those just like that, really so much like that for my SLMD skincare line. So I'm super excited for that to come out. I'm actually just realized I'm probably not even a- allowed to say that yet, that it's coming out, but it's coming out. And I'm so excited that that's part of the acting line, but that's probably one of my favorite things. So so I would say until that comes out, it's Neutrogena Hydro Boost. That's just one of my favorite things to use. Uh, it's the first thing I use at in the morning and the last thing I use before I go to sleep.
2: Dr. Lee, when you're filming, do you have your hair and makeup professionally done or do you do it yourself? Like when you're going into the office to treat patients? That's funny that you
3: say that because I was just filming the show. Like actually just yesterday, I was filming the show and one of the producers said that to me. He was shocked because he just started to uh, work on my show. He was on The Doctors before and he's like, oh, do you do your makeup for this? part of this? And I said, yeah, I do. Cause I was going into the office to see patients. And he's like, that's weird, actually. That's unusual. And he made me, he made me start thinking about, it. I was like, dang it. I should have, you know, they would have paid for me to have makeup here every day, but, but I have it for the interview portion, you know, where I'm kind of like doing that confessional part, but I don't know. I just feel like there's too much back and forth. There's too much masks and too many things going on. And back, you know, I'm okay with just doing it myself. And maybe it helps me to get better at doing that too, right? Well, you're very good at it. Oh, I'm okay. I'm not like the experts, let me tell you. Do you have a favorite lip that you like to wear? I am the worst person with lipstick. I don't really love lipstick. My best friend gets on me all the time because she hates that I don't wear lipstick because she, you know, she says how, tells me how important it is. I don't like how things stick to my mouth or, you know, I will forget it. So I don't know. This is just whatever I found in my drawer. Are you like an eyeliner? I'm an eyelash girl. I'm an eyelash eyeliner. Going to a desert, deserted island, it would have to be like mascara or eyelashes or something like that for my eyes.
2: What eyelashes? Do you have extensions or do you use strips or individuals? I have had extensions before
3: and I had to give them up. It's like alcohol. You have to like go through a 12 step program to like, you know, quit, quit it. It's tough. But You know, the benefit is I get to actually rub my eye. That's a bonus, right? It's really hard to deal with them. So now I use strips and I've gotten pretty good at it. So I can do them pretty well. I I use a mix of like inexpensive one and expensive ones. I like like the Ardell or the Kiss. There's like a one called, it's not Kiss though. It's like these really thin mint they're like almost like a mink, you know, really light band. And probably especially for us Asians, we have smaller eyes. And I feel like we can't take the weight of those giant because I still have to trim them. And then I like Lily lashes. There's a really nice one with a thin strip too, that is like a light mink kind of thing. So, so those are the two I go through.
0: Sarah is going to need a 12
2: step program.
0: Do you like lashes? I'm already like preparing like when my last appointment is before I give birth so that I don't really miss out. I, I can't I, I had to give it up during COVID and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do.
3: <laughs> so you quickly went back to it then. Yeah. So that wasn't a problem. You went back to it. I went it. back to you it. You didn't you
0: didn't find an alternative. Is it because no. you
3: can't do you don't like doing lashes yourself? Yeah,
0: and my real lashes, I just like don't have the patience and that my real lashes are short. I
2: have stubs. I have stubs. The yeah. same. Yes.
0: Maybe one day. Maybe Kirby can teach me
2: So I was going to say I bought these lashes at Target the other day and I feel like you guys would love them. They're called Love Scene and they have the tiniest little dainty band and they're actually shorter than a normal lash that you would get cuz I always have to trim mine too and it's Jenna Lyons brand. I was going to say it's isn't that the Jenna Lyons brand.
0: I didn't know that they were available at Target. That's amazing. Me either.
2: But they were so gorgeous and they had like a security tag on them so people don't steal them. I'm like, OK, well, I guess I'll pick wow. these up. They were like that dollars. Yeah. And you can wear them up to 10 times. So love scene. I can't wait to try them. We'll try that out. I'm sure you guys are seeing that controversy, too. Right. With Megilla. Yes. Oh, girl.
3: Yes. It's all over the place. And the detective work that goes <laughs> on.
2: It's ridiculous. Well, what's your perspective? Because, like, you are a content creator as well. Like, you have been on the internet for so long. So, in your opinion, how do you feel about this situation?
3: Well, when I look at this broadly, I'm a little bit saddened by everything that's going on. I feel like in the start of the pandemic is when really TikTok took off and it was so positive. And I was so, this is so great. Everybody was somebody with like a port wine stain or really bad acne or what they would get on there and they would be celebrated and they would feel like they're so welcome and nobody would be insulting. And it was just like, peace, love, kombaya, right? And then now it's like, there's detectives that like, solve crimes, murders in Idaho. You know, <laughs> they're solving like all of this stuff. I, I just right before this, I saw somebody counting up the lashes and doing a Photoshop layering. for I the saw lashes. That too. And so, yes, it's like nuts. And I just I, I don't know if I can comment specifically about that, because I don't know. I mean, I think all the things that are coming up on my feed are showing that, you know, it could be not real. But I just feel bad about the whole thing. Like, why are we like this now? Like, what have we we become? You know, it's just a little sad to me.
2: It feels like we're reverting back to pre-pandemic YouTube with drama and going after people and being shady for, you know, just to get likes and engagement. And I think somebody who I follow, Charlotte Palermino, she's she put this really well. She was like, you know how de-influencing is becoming really popular. It's like the new buzzword, like everyone's sick of influencers. Now de-influencing is a thing. And she said that the commonality between both influencing and de-influencing is that there's no nuance. So it's like you have to have a hot take and that will get people engaged with your content you can't see both sides you can't be middle of the road you have to take one stance and go for it and i hate that yeah because nuance is important right but you know what that's probably why my
3: pimple popping took off though in a way because i feel like it was like that it was either you hated it or you loved it and there really was sort of no in between and that's kind of how like people like that I suppose and that that Spurs engagement for some reason
0: it's really just it's fascinating it is it just makes it like you said such a scary place for people to be able to share their opinions where it should be like you said a positive welcoming encouraging place where you can share one opinion but think learn, the other thing right. and learn yes yeah oh it's so weird but okay let's get to you okay and what you do because we have so much you have a big furry muff in front of you
3: by the (laughs) way
2: like a giant one What is going on with that thing? She does. It's her mic. It's to keep her mic from popping. But I know that's called a muff. (laughs) Yes, it is. And she called it a big
3: furry muff. uh,
0: Is that the
2: only big furry muff you have, Uh, Sarah?
0: I couldn't tell you. It's been a while since I've been able to see what's down there. Can't see. Can't see. We have so much to cover. But let's start with, you know, your patience. And, you know, obviously if you watch the show, if you watch your, your YouTube, your Instagram, TikTok, everything, your patients are like, they come from all walks of life, different ages, races, etc. But obviously, they all come and find you. What would you say is maybe the most common reason that people come to see you? Uh,
3: I would say a combination of two things, probably money and fear lack of money and fear of having things done, right? So those are the two main reasons that they don't have something taken care of. And I mean, if I had to choose one, I would go to money because, you know, that is a huge, you know, if they go to see somebody and says, okay, yeah, I'll take care of that, but that'll be $50,000 or $30,000 or sometimes even like, you know, $6,000, a lot of these people, you know, there are pe- certainly people who can't afford it and that allows it to grow bigger because they hope, you know, maybe it'll go away or, you know, what can they do? Their ha- their hands are tied.
0: And is that partially due to like not a lot of health insurance coverage for Because it falls maybe under dermatology versus like... Like is it cosmetic versus health
3: type thing? It's a little complicated because it has a lot to do with people not being insured, like not having health insurance. Sometimes they do have health insurance and the physicians, the surgeons will say, no, I don't want to remove this or you don't need to remove this. Or they say, yes, your insurance, you do have health insurance, but you still owe, you know, $20,000 or, you know, so it's a combination of those things. It's a niche specialty, truly niche, because it's like something that not a lot of surgeons want to do. Um, And if you want to get technical about it, probably because like the way the billing works with insurance, something this size and something this size could be the same price, really, you know? in terms of your reimbursement as, as a certain limit where this range is. And so certainly the time involved, the risk involved, the liability, the skill involved goes up, but not the fee doesn't go up. Mm. So that makes it very, also very unenticing for A surgeon to want to do it too, right? If it's a cash thing, it is definitely more expensive, and then certainly the people patients can't really afford that. So there's that. There's a lot of like little complicated things involved with that, and you know people get down on U.S. healthcare because of that. Like I always see these people from other countries saying, "Oh well, if you were here, this would have been taken care of," and I, I disagree. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. There's still a lot of people that are scared of doctors in other countries and. People who can't, they would be in line forever to, you know, wait to get something like that done. So it's not like it's you can just easily do it someplace. And and it's much more difficult to do it in, in America, because I will tell you, there are problems with U.S. healthcare, But also it has spurred a lot of creativity, creation of a lot new, you know, advancements in science and things like that because of the way that it's set up. And it really wouldn't be like that if it wasn't set up this way. So is a give and take.
2: You mentioned that you saw a bunch of patients on the week. So you it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you were filming the show, you saw patients, what, eight hours a day?
3: Yeah, we started at eight o'clock, 830. And then I I didn't end till at least six o'clock. And you know, they're like, it's like not just one complicated patient you have, like, come in once a month. It's like, 3 patients a day, 4 days in a row, complicated patients.
2: When you are filming during those time frames, you're probably see- you're seeing like 3 to 4 patients during that filming period. Per day. Yes. Per day. Wow. Okay. Are you seeing them first for for the consult or have you already seen them for the consult? I've never seen them. There's a lot of things that are different. I've never seen them. I've seen their images.
3: I've seen like a a two dimensional or a video of them, right? If I want to, or I've asked for a scan if I've needed it, but there's nothing quite the same as really seeing them in person, certainly. And there are people that I've had to say no to when I've seen them in person. And it's very difficult because there's a lot of pressure on me, not even just really importantly, like saying no to a patient who comes here from across the country, you know, and they have to, when they fly here, it's never like a direct flight, you know, and if they have a giant thing, can you imagine going through a security and they're stopping you and, you know, they, they already feel so self-conscious and yeah, there's, there's a lot involved there. And so for me to tell them that I can't help them when they think I'm their last resort, it's really, can be very hard but also there's pressure for me from production you know they paid a lot of money for this there's a lot of like people went over to the house and film they made a reel there's all all a lot of the ne- you know network had to approve it all this stuff so there's a lot of um pressure on all of this so i i do it because I have to, you know, put my foot down sometimes because I mean, I the safety of the patients. I mean, like, I don't think something this is something that I can remove here in the office right now, you know, that there's more involved here. And I'm not going to sacrifice the way that I practice as a physician, just for the television show.
0: So is it a mixture of, you know, the production team sourcing these patients for you and like your team maybe chiming in and being like, yes, this this is potentially a good patient for Dr. Lee or like, how does that work?
3: Yeah, it, there's casting. They spread out a wide net and then they have people that cast and then I see what they've narrowed it down to. And then I, I give my little input and then though it still goes to the network, the network really can see all the ones that we've approved and then they'll say, Yes, to certain ones, right? That's the pool that we can pull from. But they always like the really crazy ones. And that's the tough thing. You know, it's sort of like when you buy a car, if you buy like a BMW when you're 16, how do you go below that? It's really tough. (laughs) Like, you know, it's the bar keeps getting higher.
2: Yes. Wow. OK, let's say Kirby and Sarah have something that we need to come in and see you. We can't, but somehow we can get cast on the show. Like, do we need to have insurance? No, then it's free for you.
3: You get flown out. You get to stay out here. I take care of you. You're like sharing the hotel, the general hotel area with the production crew, you know?
0: So that's why the show is so life changing for so many people.
3: Yeah. They can do this and they, they can get something done that they would have never really had the opportunity to. And we meet some characters because of that and you get to see some crazy things like, you know, it, and, and there's just such lovely people. and they're And it really is nice because they are in general so grateful, really, you know, because this is something that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. So, you know, we
2: don't take that lightly. Yeah, especially since you said a lot of them have fear of not being able to afford it. So they've been putting it off for so long. It's probably gotten to a point where they need your help. I love that. I love it.
3: So I love it when it comes out. Like, I am so proud of it when I see it and when it's on TV, you know, when we're and it's so fun to do the press and all that kind of stuff for it. But while I'm actually doing it, it's somewhat torturous, you know, because it's stressful. Right. But it's worth it in the end. But I'm in the middle of it. And so it just makes it very you know, I just feel a lot of pressure for me. And I'm trying to make the right decision. And if someone's going, no, do this, no, do this, you know, and I'm just trying to do as best as I can. And so I'm a dermatologist, I was supposed to just be doing Botox and fillers, and maybe some liposuction and eyelids, you know, just like things like that. And then I I used to play golf, and I quit because that was too stressful. Like, what am I
0: doing? Like, you know, Oh, my gosh. Well, again, the way that you handle yourself, like in all these videos, when The extraction is happening and it's coming out. Like I am making like noise. And I'm like, she's just being like, oh wow. Yes. (laughs) We should watch one together. And you (gasps) and you
3: do the reaction. And I'll sit next. That'll be so funny to see. (laughs) I mean, I could show you new ones. I'll just be like, here's one that you probably haven't seen. And let me think.
2: And we could like stop and go, What do you think is gonna happen? Oh my God. (laughs) That's our dream. We love that. Okay, so you go by Dr. Pimple Popper, Yes. but, okay, so this might be a dumb question. Just humor me here. Is a cyst a pimple? Like when you're popping a cyst, when you're popping that port of wine or whatever it's called, because I'm messing up the name probably. <laughs> it's, well, not alcohol, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, it's not alcohol, yeah, no. It's not a exactly. port of whiter, yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> like, are those considered pimples? Like, because when I think of a pimple, I think of a one on my chin that has a little white head, you know? Well, yes,
3: they are kind of used, that word cyst is used a little bit more broadly too, like for to mean multiple different things because there could be cysts on your ovary, right? Or cysts, acne cysts, there could be epidermoid cysts. But the cyst that you see me is pop on people's back with all the cheese in it and the little sack that we remove, that's an epidermoid cyst. That's a really common type of cyst. And the ones on the scalp are called pilar cysts. Those are cyst cysts. But there are cysts that go along with acne that is more of a severe form of acne where you have the deeper nodules and cysts that usually people go on like isotretinoin, you know, Accutane or things like that, or, or more heavy duty acne medications for but also people with acne are more prone to the other kind of cyst too, just because they have sort of an oily complexion and some of them tend to have increased risk of having epidermoid
2: cysts. Does
3: that explain it all? Yes. There'll be a test later. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> Here we go.
2: So there's a pimple, there's a cyst. What is a boil? A boil is a
3: is like a layman's term for like an abscess. An abscess is an inflamed or infected cyst. Also could be called a caruncle or a faruncle. And those are, yeah, we should name. Like if I had two like <laughs> hamsters, I'd call one caruncle, one faruncle or something like that. But I mean, they're like, uh, one is like, a, I think it's an infection of like one like sort of a cyst, like with one follicle, Hair follicle, and the other one is like a collection of them or something. I forget which is which. But yes, a boil is like an abscess, like an inflamed, angry cyst that, you know, those are the ones that you see that are like that really painful, really red, and you squeeze it and liquid comes out. That's like a hard pop. You know, that's like what you like kind of graduate up to.
2: You talked about cysts and sacs. Yes. Okay. Okay. This is so weird. This is what I talk about now. Yes. yes. There's, this is fascinating to me. Yes. I, I know so much about sacks against my will that yes. I never thought. sex. <laughs> I'm Just sacks all over the place. So I feel like this can be attributed directly to you. On TikTok, when I get a video of someone from somewhere popping a pimple or something or popping whatever... The comments will be like, you didn't get the sack out. It's coming back. That's for me. I'm so
3: proud. I feel like that that's for
2: me. That is 100% from you. Right. Okay, so can you explain how this works for the people? Yes, of
3: course. This And this is all good stuff. I think this is really important for people to know. So an epidermoid cyst, not like a cyst from an acne cyst, okay? okay. But an epidermoid cyst, I... Kind of, this is the way I describe it to people. It's like your skin kind of got tucked under. And so what happens is it creates a balloon under the skin. Like it's like your skin is underneath right here. And there's an opening. It's called a punctum. It's like a little opening. You can see a little pore almost. And so there's a balloon under there. And what's happening is your skin normally sheds, right? When you're walking around, we don't really know. It's always shedding every day, all the time. And now it's shedding into the sac, though, under the skin. So it's like dead skin cells. It's filled with wet macerated keratin, meaning dead skin cells. They're just wet, dead skin cells. So it just collects under there and you can squeeze it out sometimes. Some people take it and they squeeze it. But if you don't remove that sac, it'll just reform. And the problem is sometimes if you squeeze it, and you don't move the sac, it just gets angry, like you might disrupt it in some way. And then that's when it becomes a boil or an abscess, super painful, because it you didn't take it out completely. In order to be able to remove this and make it not come back, you have to take out that balloon, that sack, because it still forms because all the walls are like skin, right? And it's just still shedding
2: into the space. Wow. So by removing that sack, it kind of just closes things up and it prevents that. Balloon. You have to close it up. You have to close it up. Yeah. I mean, well, then once you cut,
3: when you cut the skin, it, it's almost like you're putting super glue on the edges, because once you cut the skin, it can stick together again. Right, so you have to like recut the skin, and then it'll stick back together. Like when you see those giant dilated pore of whiners that sometimes I pop out, and they look like little old school kitchen sink plugs or something. Yes, that won't close up. Actually, that open hole won't close up unless you were to. Cut it out and refresh the wounds. It'll just stay there to collect again a little bit. You know, it might shrink a little bit, like a belly button, but like it won't like really close up because the wound edges aren't refreshed. But this is also why people say there's an odor, because imagine just imagine you had wet skin cells that are tucked in a little balloon under your skin that maybe 10, 15, 50 years, what that smells like. You know, it's just a oh little my God, bit I can't. It's a little bit musty, probably. <laughs>
0: Something like
1: that. Musty yeah. and dusty under there. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Woof. Okay. So let's let's talk about the color of like what comes out and what that means. Sometimes it's black. Sometimes it's white and cheesy. You know, there's blood. Often a little bit. Sometimes uh, it's really liquidy. Liquid. Yeah. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah. What is the difference? I love these questions. I should do a video about these things specifically. That's really good. Well, okay. These are just from being the X, I feel like moving more cis than anyone else ever in existence. I feel qualified to answer these questions, but they are just, they're just just—they're. I never read about this. I just figured this out, I guess, in my lifetime. I feel like um, there's a range of cis contents. Usually it goes from what I've seen, it like really, uh, really white and light colored or pale to like as dark as like, it looks like oil almost, you know? I feel like, when we have more pigment in our skin, you can have more range. Like I've never seen somebody who's really pale, like their skin tone really pale, have a really dark cyst other than, and I should say an asterisk on that, but the contents aren't really just dark on their own. But I've seen somebody who has really dark skin color have a dark cyst, but also have a light cyst, okay? Um, so I think it has something to do with like our pink, maybe whatever cells kind of um, shed into this area. But the reason that you have a white head and a blackhead is because blackheads the pore is open and exposed to the air. So it gets oxidized, just like if you cut an apple and you let it sit out like or banana or something and it browns. Right. That's why sometimes you'll get the browning of the contents. Right. But then that's really cool, too, because when you squeeze it out, like if it's a long blackhead, it becomes an ombre blackhead. Yes. Because it's like the yes. top is darker <laughs> and then it gradually lightens. Yes. It's like by, balayage, you know, blackhead, you know.
2: And so kind of like when you're talking, balayage <laughs> when you're, blackhead, when you're talking about like the different textures, like the cheesy versus the liquid. Right, right. If it's cheesy, is that like dead skin cells? It's all dead skin cells. Always. It's all okay. dead skin cells. But
3: I think... It tends to break down and kind of liquefy when it gets really big. It's like it just, it's imagine the balloon, sometimes it blows up so much, you know, balloon lightens or thins, the wall's thin. And I've seen it like really break down, usually when it's just gotten big or if it's been disrupted before, it's like been irritated.
2: So one question that I think a lot of our listeners probably relate to is I get breakouts in the same spot. Yes. Without fail. And it's not maybe every month or every couple of weeks. It's not really linked to my cycle or anything. But if I'm breaking out, it's I always know, okay, I'm gonna get one right here. I'm gonna get one in the corner of my nose. I'll probably get one on the top of my forehead. What does that indicate? And then also, how would somebody know if they had a cyst versus just a pimple that may go away? Right. It's tough. I mean,
3: I could even say that I can't tell for sure, but I will say that if you have something that sort of persistent and comes and goes in the same place as I have had before, I had a, it was a cyst, but it was a zit that would get aggravated. But I have one in the same place that would come like every month for a few months. And um, it started to worry me. And, you know, when I get one, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is my punishment. This is what I get for like, you know, doing this, like for my career. This is why I, this is, I somehow, they're contagious and I caught one. But um, I think that that was a cyst and I really had to sort of manually extract it and get this little, it's, it's much smaller one than the things that we do in the op than you see my videos, but it is one, you know? And so I don't want to worry you by saying that. I mean, if something can kind of come and go and suddenly, sometimes it just goes away. Right. But, and I've had that too. I've had the same kind of pimple that came up every month, the same place for good, at least three months. And then it just went away. But I do inject it too, to try to like calm it down with the, you know, the corticosteroids, like what we do with the, dermatologist's office, which really helps. But it's tough. It's tough when you don't have those tools too. It's kind of, I'm sure it's annoying for people.
0: So- everyone should go get it checked yeah. if they have any concerns mm-hmm. yeah and it really concerns you and it's growing and
3: and you you want to have it evaluated because you don't doesn't mean you have to have it like excised it, it may just go away on its own eventually or if you inject it that might also help it to go away eventually
0: uh when you're extracting on the show are you applying like a topical numbing cream to most of them or does it just depend on the size and the patient i don't really apply a topical numbing. Topical doesn't really work that well
3: Um, in terms of numbing under the skin there. Maybe it helps a little bit for the initial little nick of the needle. I tend to think I'm really pretty good at, you know, using lidocaine. I'm very good at distracting. I'm very good at, you know, having a light touch and really making sure that's like one of the things that I and very proud of, or I take a lot of pride in is like trying to make sure people are numb without feeling like unsafe or being very comfortable. But I think, um, I will numb like Milia that are real near the eye. I mean, that's, I'm not a barbarian is what I say. Like, I'm not going to do anything to you, but some things are just, you know, some blackheads, if they just ease out, that's really great. But you know, there's sometimes there's people that have these beautiful blackheads tons of them, and they are just stuck there because they've never really used any kind of enzymatic sort of chemical peel prep or or retinol, retin-A, or, you know, so it's really hard to remove them.
0: I feel like we get a lot of questions,
2: Kirby, about Milia around the eye. So a lot of people, you know, we talk about the benefits of eye cream on this podcast, and I feel like generally a lot of questions from our listeners are great I want to use an eye cream, but I feel like it's causing milia in my under eye area. For those that may not be familiar, what is milia and is there a way to prevent it? And also, if you have milia, what's the way to get rid of it?
3: Okay, milia are so the singular name of milia is milium. That's like a single, okay? And a milium is a very superficial cyst. It's a really, really tiny one. It's almost like a little pearl or looks like a little round piece of bird seed when you remove them. I like to call them pearls because, you know, why not? They can be like little tiny pearls. They tend to occur most often around the eyes. And I think it has a lot to do with the skin there being very thin. So it's easier to sort of, Create one, or have one, or be able to see them there, and yeah, they can be triggered by some occlusive things like medical procedures that can promote them, or it's like laser resurfacing, something that's really kind of disrupting the surface. And as you're healing, we're usually putting a lot of Vaseline or or something like a petroleum jelly, and that kind of helps to clog and promote this sort of thing. But any kind of c- creams around your eyes, a lot of them can be a little bit more occlusive, a little thicker, and that thickness can promote development of milium. And the problem with milia is that they're really difficult to treat at home because there's a there's a thin layer of skin over them. And especially when you're treating, when you have one within this orbital rim, like within where there's no bone here, because you can't push against anything. There's no traction. And so they can be really uncomfortable to remove. They don't have to be removed. One good thing to do at home that makes it easier for them to maybe go away on their own or for you to have them removed by your doctor is to use a uh, Retin-A or Retinol on those areas as long as you're not irritating your skin too much cause it'll help to sort of increase cell turnover uh, over it and really kind of help to thin the skin there so that maybe it's easier to extract. But the problem is they oftentimes need a nick of a little blade to kind of just create an opening. And that can be hard to do on yourself especially around the eye, it's not necessarily the safest. It's not something that I can endorse, you know, or recommend somebody does. But then it's also hard to see a dermatologist and, you know, will they be able to see you and how much is that going to cost for you to have that removed?
2: So you were saying more occlusive, uh, occlusive ingredients are the cause of this milia. So like, is there a specific ingredient people should stay away from in their eye creams? I can't tell you
3: exactly, you know, for sure. But I think that things that we know that are more inclusive, like dimethicone, or the problem is that we tend to gravitate towards those products because we feel like the skin here is drier or looks drier because we have more crinkles there, right? So we are actually wanting to use things like that. So it makes it really difficult because I think that, probably the majority of eye creams are going to have things that are potentially more occlusive. So there's benefits to it for us, but one of the negatives can be that you are more prone to milia. So I don't know if I could say that this product itself is going to be the one, this is the culprit. I just think that a lot of them have many, you know, different kinds of ingredients in them that can be occlusive.
2: So use your Retin-A or retinol and try to soften them up gently yeah and then
3: maybe gently i mean i i don't even really like saying you know saying this i don't want to tell people and then they come back and say look what you did to my face you know because it's hard you don't you know we get like i'm sure you guys haven't done this too you're like i'm just gonna go in the bathroom for a second you know and then there's a magnifying mirror in there and all of a sudden you emerge like half an hour later with all these bumps and like because there was a comedone extractor sitting on the table you could get yourself into trouble So you just have to be really careful.
0: Okay, so you have seen how many patients? Oh, too many. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a typical question, but is there like one of the more memorable patients or cysts that really sticks out in your years of practice? I was just commenting today how
3: sad it is that I've done this show long enough to not remember all the patients anymore. That to me is kind of sad because all of them are really big, dramatic patients. I have patients when pimple popping just started that are very dear to me. Like there's a guy that we nickname him Pops. I got to bring his movie, his videos back out because he's the sweetest old man and really was the story behind him. He had these amazing blackheads all over his nose and his upper lip. He was elderly, but I used to, see, I've seen him for years, he and his wife, and um, they would come in together all the time. And then there was a phase where she would stay in the car because she just was too frail to come in. And then one day she he came in and he said, she's not with us anymore. And it was like devastating. And that's one of the really hard things. You see this, you know, one of the hard things, because one of the wonderful things in dermatology is you really follow people through their lives and you get to see their family, their kids, maybe even their grandkids. But then you also see them grow older. And that was really sad to hear. And that actually happened to be right when I was starting to videotape these. And, you know, I said, you know, you have all these bumps on your nose. And he said, yes, I know I could feel them. He can't see very well. He had arthritis, but it really bothered him. I said, do you want me to try to extract something? And he was so thankful. And that was when I realized that a lot of these patients, they knew that these things weren't anything to worry about, but they never asked me whether I'd remove them because they knew that that would just be sort of wasting my time because I wouldn't be charging them. And they, it would take up time for me seeing my patients. So anyways, I extracted some of them and we were talking and he was talking about his wife and how he had to sell his home and go to a assisted living. And he was so devastated by that. And, And I posted this video and all these people got so excited about him. He said, oh my gosh, we have to help Pops. And on a whim, I started a GoFundMe. I I don't know how I did that in the middle of the night. I just, that was when GoFundMe just started too. And I was like, we're going to start a GoFundMe page. And I think we raised like, $14,000 $14,000 or something for him. Oh, he And he knew, I called him because I got all freaked out saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this without his permission. And nobody knew who he was, right? They were all anonymous. But I called him and he said, oh, that's fine. Not really understanding maybe what we were doing, but knowing that, you know, what I did. And I have a video when I presented him that check, like, and he had all these letters from people around the world. And it was just his mood, though, changed so dramatic. He was happy. And he's really like realizing that he was loved. And it was all for his blackheads. Like what? Like, that's crazy, too. Right. But what a wonderful story. And it helped him and it buoyed his spirits. And i don't know that was amazing and then there's another guy from the show his name is leonard and he had a chip on his shoulder because he literally looked like he had an extra limb hanging off of him off the stream so you know i go from that to that he's some guy who lived in the middle of nowhere in like the south and at the end of the video, when he, we removed his third arm, he was just cooking a big vat of chili like in the woods and stuff. So, so yeah, but he's a, he's a hoot. Like that guy was a hoot. So I'm going from one like really sweet guy to another really sweet guy, but with some giant growth, you know, on the television show, who's just a, I would have never met him, you know, my entire life if it hadn't been the show brought us together but he's a great guy too. So
2: we get to meet a cast. Yeah, you get you get to like actually connect with people, which I love. When you have someone who comes in that does have, you know, blackheads, maybe on their upper lip and their nose, when they leave after you've, you know, decongested them in a way, what are you advising to them in terms of their skincare to kind of help? Like, I imagine, because I know who you're talking about. And like, he had, like you, you said, these amazing blackheads, but they were so large that it was like stretching out the pore. And like you mentioned, like those pores probably don't shrink back to their original. So what are you doing to try to help alleviate him from having to come in too consistently to get this stuff removed?
3: Right. Well, you want to try to keep those pores clear. And and the best thing to do with at home kind of or over-the-counter ingredients are products that contain retinol and salicylic acid. Salicylic acid is really great to help keep those pores clear. That's a chemical peel acid, as you know, beta hydroxy. And so it's going to really help to keep the pores clear of debris from dirt, dead skin cells and oil. And retinol is also going to help by making more efficient that cell turnover. Um, and those are two great products. But the thing about pores is, you know, it's all BS when they say, oh, this laser or this device is going to shrink your pores. It Nothing shrinks shrinks. shrinks your pores. They might make them look like they're smaller because maybe they're cleaner or clearer, but nothing is shrinking them. I mean, even lasers that I see shrink the skin a little bit. I mean, they can't shrink all the pores or they do a minimal overall change in them. It's, It's difficult. The only thing that I've maybe seen that really I've seen like almost eliminate pores is not something that everybody wants to go through. And that would be when I remove that rhinophyma, you know, when you have that really thickened nose, I've seen, especially women have fewer women have rhinophyma. But when I do a woman like the front of their nose, it's like you had a cake that had all these raindrops in it. So they had all these holes in it. and You just take like the butter knife and you like smooth it using that loop electrocautery needle, I mean, the device smooths it, but it is like using a hot knife through butter. You know, you're really like, this is a surgery, you know, that's not a reason to make your pores smaller, but it's a reason to kind of diminish the thickness of your, of your nose. But at the same time, it, it also kind of covers up those pores.
2: And you're removing skin, right? Like you're removing yes. like a layer of like thickened skin. You're like, re-sculpt, it's like you're re-sculpting the nose,
3: like a clay sculpture, right? You like have a blob and you're trying to reshape a nose. Wow. It's crazy. Yes.
0: Okay, so you have a partnership with Sun Pharma. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the partnership? Yes, it is my first sort
3: of like a spokesperson position. You know, I haven't done very much of that, you know, like a lot of uh, other influencer and, and doing endorsements and things like that. I've been sort of saving it for something special or bigger, but also mainly because of my skincare line. Because, you know, I have a, a skincare line that is in Target that is at slmdskincare.com. And I have a big acne line. There too, which is probably our most popular and important seller there. But I really wanted, obviously, as Dr. Pimple Popper, I wanted to, you know, be able to talk about some of the medications that I think. Do a really good job that are prescription level in dermatology. So, this is a a newer medication you you guys may have heard of it or maybe you know somebody that's on it. It's Winlevy, and it is a topical prescription. But you know, spironolactone. Have you heard? Yeah, for you guys, you guys know. I don't even like have to. I could just talk to you like my one of my regular dermatology colleagues. (laughs) But spironolactone is great for acne. Do you know spironolactone was actually initially. Created because it was an antihypertensive. it was actually used to treat high blood pressure. But then they realized, wow, it was actually helping people with decrease. Also, it's really a great product, even for women that really um, have just more oily skin. It helps to, it, it helps to inhibit the androgens or the hormones in your body. Well, when Levy is a topical, like a spironolactone. But it's not an oral pill, you see. So you can use it on your skin instead. And it can be used in both, gen, any gender, really, any age. Because I think spironolactone, you don't want to give it like childbearing, you know, things like that. Or like maybe men, or you know, just, just some issues because it's an anti-androgen or anti-testosterone it's the first one of its kind. There's no other, cause all these other acne meds that come out, they're all just, they just like take it and throw it up in there and mix it up again. And like, give it to you, you know, it's like all the same kinds of things just made in like different, like different iterations of it, but this is something that's different. So, you know, I I was really honored to be invited to be a part of it because I think that's amazing. And, you know, to really help to explain to the public what, Acne is and what drives it because hormones drive it to such a great degree.
2: Wow, that's fascinating. Could you take oral sp- spironolactone along with this topical? Like, would is there any sure problem with that? I don't think there's any problem with that because I know a lot of um, women are prescribed spironolactone because of PCOS, hence the. The testosterone of it all. So that's really fascinating. I've never heard of that. I'm excited.
3: Yes. Yes. It's new out. I mean, it's fairly new. And I think, you know, because it's a brand name, it's just a little harder to get to easily. But yes, I mean, it, it is a really nice, but you guys have beautiful skin.
0: And is it something that you would advise for like teens or young people?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, because, you know, acne in general is really hormone driven. I've been saying this all along, you know, I mean, Genetics play a big role, obviously. If your parents have that oily skin, if they had bad acne, you, you sort of inher- you can inherit that. But going with that, I mean, this is why we have bad, the worst acne when we are teenagers. This is why we get acne certain times of the month. It's hormones. Hormones are driving this. I mean, yes, we talk about, oh, yeah, when you get acne in this area, that is more like maybe they have PCOS or maybe it's really testosterone driven. But all acne is really having a lot to do with our androgens and our hormones in general. This is why actually I try to encourage people because, you know, sometimes somebody who's 50 or 60 will complain about how they're getting acting. I'm like, look, this is proof that you still have your hormones, that you still have youth there. Because once we don't have that, it's sort of like that's a whole different level. Right. Right. And that's something I wanted to complain about. Like I didn't like I just turned 50. Well. I turned 50 during the during the pandemic. So I feel like it didn't count because I didn't really get to celebrate <laughs> anything, you know, but then suddenly I'm 50 and it's just like, uh, like I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I don't like being 50. It really bothers me. 40s didn't bother me. Let me tell you, 40s are amazing. Like, I feel like you start to know who you are and you don't give a crap about what other people think anymore. You know who you are and you feel very proud of it. And, you know, you've come into your own. Problem with 50 is that Everybody, you become really alert. Like everyone I know, it's just like they say it. They'll go, "Oh yeah, you know, like that person." Like you know, when you're really old, like when you're fifty, like that's what that they say. Like that's how you describe it. And that is so like, what are you saying? Like when you're old, when you're fifty, like that's become the the gauge. You know, when you've gone too far. I
2: love that you brought this up because I am fascinated by this, and I think that there's like, especially in the beauty industry, there is for color cosmetics, especially it's a disservice to women in their forties, fifties, sixties, and on, because we're not seeing imagery of women that have lines and wrinkles, or if we do, it's like the token quote unquote old person. So we're not actively seeing images of like, we have diversity, I think, um, so much more now in, in beauty advertising. Right. But like, it's not true diversity because, age is often left out of it. And I feel like Even I like go to Sephora sometimes and I feel like I'm aging out of going there because I don't see people that look like me. And I was talking to a content creator. She's she's 44. Her name is Sonia Valencia. She's incredible. And she said that she'll go to like, you know, retailers or she'll go to events as a content creator. Her full time job is making content as an over 40 content creator. Her term. She said people will be like asking if she's like someone's grandma. Or like, 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 why is she there? Or she'll just be completely ignored at retailers because people are just like, whatever, like, she'll figure it out. Or they don't even know. They're they're intimidated. Yeah. Like, they're like, I don't know what works for you. Exactly. Exactly. And so I love that you were on, you're being honest about how you feel about turning 50 because I feel like we're not serving, like, first of all, you wear makeup still. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, you're, you're uh, like, yes. like Jennifer Lopez is 50 years old, people. Uh, yes. She's the one that
3: saves me because she's just a little older than I am. She'll always be just a little older than I am. <laughs> so I can follow her. <laughs> but yeah, she looks fantastic.
2: But like 30 years ago, I think 50 was a completely different thing than what 50 is now. Yes, I, I agree. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. There's so many of you that are rewriting what the stereotype like you all You look incredible.
3: Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, I mean, I I it's not it's just that I don't like the way that they people say because yes. we say that. That's just it. Like that's just a right. weird, you know, that I don't want to be in that category because I don't feel like I'm in that category. So it's really weird that people say that because it makes you it's almost like they don't realize that you are in that category, too. Like they'll say, Oh yeah, like when you're 50, because they don't really think that you are that
2: age. You know what I mean? Another content creator was saying that she feels like I asked her, do you feel like you're 45? And she said, I mean, I don't really even know what 45 is supposed to feel like. I feel like I've always been myself that I haven't changed. Maybe if it was 45, 30 years ago, you know, I would be expected to have short hair and I wouldn't be able to wear loud nails and I wouldn't be able to like certain things. Like my my interests will have to have matured and changed and that's just not me. And I think that's the point you're trying to make. It's that you haven't changed. You have You feel the same. Yes, very much the case. And
3: it's just, um, there's more going on though, too. I feel like when you're this age, I just think that there's like, there's just changes in hormones too, and just changes in th- mm-hmm. just things that it's just so funny. All my friends that are around my age, they're like all complaining of aches and, you know, and just pains. And I'm like, what is going on with all of us? Like, we're all <laughs> like falling apart. Like, it's annoying. Like, why are you, fall-? you know, because you feel like yourself again? It's so funny how your mind doesn't change. And, you know, like you'll walk by a mirror and you'll be like, Oh my, you know, like you realize how much more you look like your mom, or you know what I mean. Yes, like things totally. that are just very—it's it, like it comes on and it, it sort of like hits me more like a wall when it was when it when it was like. 50 the 50s but and it's not that I don't like I'm knocking them I mean I'm still happy I still you know I'm proud of how I look now but like I don't like that I have to say that either like I'm right. really proud of how I yeah. look right. because I'm 50 you know yeah. like that whatever I can
0: stretch and yes. I can kick because <laughs> I'm 50 yes. No, exa- exactly even Kirby and I who are we're 36 which like I you know I feel I would love to be 36 again
2: yes. <laughs> see I told you Sarah, I told you, I said, we're going to look back and think, wish I was 36 again. I was just going to say there was that one tweet
0: about like Hillary Duff looking good
2: for her age for
0: 36. And I was like, are you kidding me?
3: Yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you something that I tell. So my best friend is beautiful. She's 10 years younger than I am. And, you know, um, we knew each other when I was I'm 42. She was 32. That's probably when we started. And now, you know, I'm like 52 and she just turned 42 or so 43. And I tell her things and she now she's finally starting to believe me because I try to tell these things from the older lady, like the words of wisdom. And this is something I'm going to tell you guys. And I don't know if you guys have ever thought of this before, but it's so true for me. And I still have a problem listening to myself when I tell myself this, but like you know, you'll look back at pictures when you're 20 and when you're 30 and you look back in pictures when you're 20 and you and you know how you felt at that time. And you're like, why was I so hard on myself? Look at how fantastic I look. I look so beautiful. I'm so skinny. I can't believe I thought it was fat. Da-da-da-da. And then you'll do that again. When you're 40, you're going to look back at your 30 and you're going to say, oh my gosh, how I looked so good. Why was, why are we so hard on ourselves? We are so hard on ourselves and we never really enjoy ourselves in the moment. I don't think I've ever really enjoyed myself in the moment. I'm not enjoying myself in the moment now. I'm hard on myself complaining that I'm 50, right? So it's a really hard thing to change. And that's something that we should try to change with ourselves. It's just really not being like that. And maybe this n- younger generation is doing that. That's why they're embracing themselves no matter what kind of, you know, but I guess I'm in that almond mom generation now, right? Like <laughs> whatever they're calling themselves. You are I've not never just an eaten almond an almond mom. No, I've never just eaten an almond, yes. There's always reasons to wish that it was like it used to be, but you will have the best times. The best times are yet to come. I promise you. They are, yes.
2: Love it. Um, Dr. Lee, you're fabulous. We love you so much. Thank you for coming on. We want to do a quick speed round with you, if you don't mind. Uh Just to to get your first impressions. Sarah, do you want to kick it off? What is your favorite product to treat acne? Top of your head. Salicylic acid. Yes, yes. Okay. Easy to use. Maybe this is the same, but what's your favorite skincare ingredient? Probably hyaluronic acid
3: because I have really dry skin and I like to keep the moisture on my skin. What is the
0: biggest myth you see about pimples? Oh, the biggest myth there's.
3: Oh, what I mean that um, eating pizza causes pimples, you know, eating pizza only causes pimples if you rub it all over your face. Thank you for saying that.
2: Right. Grease doesn't equal acne. Uh, Yes. Greasy foods. Yes. What's the most satisfying extraction? Pimple, blackhead, cyst or other?
1: The
3: giant blackheads, of course, that just pop out, no blood, just like bloop, you know, like literally make that noise. That's the best. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. And then last, who's your favorite TikTok follow or IG follow? That follows me? Or that you follow, like that you love their content. Yeah. Oh
2: that I follow.
3: Oh, I get sucked into all the latest things too. Like, I mean, Alex Earl is charming. Um Wow,
2: Alex Earl has infiltrated Dr. Pimple Popper. She's everywhere. Yes. Ah, uh, who else right now?
3: I can't think of um there's other people, well, you know, there's, I'm in pulled into the drama all the time. Like we're just talking about Michaela, right? And just, just, I get pulled, there's so much drama over there. You don't need, I, all the housewives, all the drama that goes on with them, all the Ozempic, all the Monjaro stuff. I'm oh my all over God. all that stuff. Yes.
2: yes, girl, Ozempic face. There's it's so much thing. to talk about. Yes. So much. Awesome. Okay. So your show will be back in March. Uh-huh. March. mm mm-hmm. Tell March. us where to find it and when and what time it's a uh, TLC
3: March. I think it's Wednesdays, nine, eight central. I could be wrong, but it's like mid when like the third week of March or something like that. I forgot the exact date, but it'll be in March. That's the thing to remember. March on over to TLC and watch it then.
0: Yay. And then for those of us who maybe the like five people who aren't following you, where can we find you? At Dr. Pimple Popper, pretty much everywhere uh,
3: other than Dr. Sandra Lee, but also SLMD Skincare. We have our, um, you know, our
0: social media platforms, but also we're at Target at SLMDskincare.com. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all platforms for announcements and opportunities at Los Angeles Pod and join our Facebook group to share your own reviews.
2: Los Angeles was created by Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It is a part of the ACAST Network. Our episodes are mixed and edited by Roxy Flo and Stacey Abarka.